0: Father, we just come to you and we want, Lord, your hand upon our lives. Your hand upon our ears as we hear. Cleanse our ears. Your hand upon our understanding, our mind. Cleanse our mind. Your hand upon our heart, that we have a believing heart, a heart that is being continuously circumcised. That we truly love you with all our heart, with all our might, with all our strength. Speak to us, Father. Teach us. We wait and we sit at your feet like Mary. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So you will see the Bible uses different terms for different places. And one of the terms the, the Bible uses for the world is Egypt, and then it will use the term Babylon, and Babylon is the most common term used in the Bible for the world system, whichever reigning right now. Joseph, we are looking at Joseph. Is uh, like if you turn with me, just an aside. First Peter chapter five and verse thirteen. If you turn with me to First Peter five thirteen. <coughs> paul is a uh, peter is uh <laughs> is writing uh, and he's talking about the church she who is in Babylon elect together with you greets you so he's not talking about Babylon as Babylon he's talking about Rome as Babylon okay he's talking about Rome as Babylon so like <clears throat> so when the bible is talking about Egypt it is teaching us about We in the world, or a man of God in the world, a man of God in Babylon, a man of God in Rome, all these places are considered Babylon. (coughs) So we've been looking at Joseph, pure teaching today, okay? Pure teaching today. Joseph was sold as a slave. The Ishmaelites took him and sold him in Egypt, and now he's a slave to an Egyptian master. The question is, your body has been sold. Who owns your soul? That's the question. Your body has been sold. As long as we are in this world, we do not control our bodies. Like right now, everybody's body is controlled by the government. And there are levels of freedom which is allowed. And certain pockets of Hyderabad has been declared hotspots. And there you cannot even move. They are putting barricades because that's where the COVID-19 is the highest. So, it <coughs> doesn't matter which part of the world you are in. Your body, even the US President doesn't have the freedom to move. The Secret Service determines his movements. Okay, so, your body is not controlled by you. It's controlled by other forces. But that's never the question. The question in the Kingdom of God is, who owns your soul? Because primarily salvation is the salvation of the soul. If you turn with me to first Peter chapter three one <clears throat> and we'll read from verse three to nine, seven verses we will read, and we'll tell you about the world and the kingdom of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his Abundant mercy. Always remember that. Mercy is, mercy is abundant. New every morning. Has begotten us again to a living hope. It's a living hope. How, why is our hope living? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Otherwise there's no hope. If Jesus also died, then death is more powerful than anything. Living hope. What did, what we are birthed into a living hope? To an inheritance. Okay, that's inheritance kept for us. Incorruptible. All the inheritance here is corruptible. Undefiled. Nothing can touch it. Because no sin is there where it is kept. And does not fade away. Doesn't matter what it is here, it will fade away. And it is reserved in heaven for you. And for who are we? We are kept by the power of God through faith. Okay? The power of God Flows into my life and your life through faith. That's why before we started, I said, listen with faith. Whatever state of mind you are in now, listen with faith. Because we can be only kept by the power of God in every situation. And it is the power of God that is keeping Joseph through those 13 years in Egypt. And it is by faith. For a salvation, we are saved. We are being saved and we will be saved. For a That salvation is like glory, the glory of salvation. To be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. You have been grieved by various trials. You're going through various trials. The reason that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, even gold perishes, though it is tested by fire. Our faith has to be tested because that's the most precious thing we have now may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is revealed and the Christ in us is revealed, that's when our faith is revealed and it should bring praise, honor and glory. Whom having not seen you love. That's faith. We are not called to walk by sight. We are called to walk by faith. faith. And even that love is received by faith. We have not seen him, but we love him. Now you do not see him. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. This is all faith. Receiving the end of your faith. What is the end of your faith? The salvation of your souls. That is the end of our faith. The end of our faith, we will see our soul is saved. The question is, how much of our soul will be saved? Okay, Like doctors will say, no? Like people who have smoked and smoked and smoked when the x-ray is taken, they will say 50% of your lungs is gone. Okay? Okay, or cirrhosis, 80% of your liver is gone. (laughs) So we have this soul. How much of our soul will be saved when we reach there? Do we end up with 50% and the 50% of it was lost? I'm just using terms like we understand. Can God save us to the utmost? At the we will receive the end of our faith, the salvation of your soul. That's the end of our faith. So everything we are preaching is directed to primarily to the soul. And we looked at the soul yesterday. So there is the world and there is the kingdom of God. And both are after our soul. The devil will try to get at our soul through our body. God also says, offer your body as a living sacrifice and by the renewing of your mind. That's the major part of your soul, okay? You will get to know what is a good, pleasing, perfect will. And then your soul is being redeemed more and more. So in First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, 2, 12 scripture says, Now we have received, once you are born again, we have not received, not the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. So there are two spirits that are operate. One is called the spirit of the world. The other is the spirit of God. And the spirit of the world will try to pull us into the world. While the spirit of God will tell us live in the world, but live as aliens, pilgrims. Like Abraham dwelt with Isaac and Jacob in tents. Live It's a temporary, this world is a temporary place. Your body itself is temporary. Remain in that state and remain unspotted in the world. That's what James will say. So when the whole world is walking in sight, we live by faith. You walk by faith. And that's why God continuously says, My just shall live by faith. Okay, so please keep these fundamentals always reminding you at the back of your mind even as we keep moving because we are looking at the fundamentals of faith because the end of our faith is the salvation of our souls. So when we started this journey studying on faith, remember we started with Abel because in Hebrews 11 we are not going there but the record begins with Abel. It doesn't, it skirts the first three and goes to the fourth one. Okay. That is Abel. And it was a time of offerings and both of them had brought offerings. And Bible says God looked at Cain and then looked at his offering, looked at Abel and looked at his offering and rejected Cain's and accepted Abel's. So every day we are going with something to God with our offerings. And God had something to say. So let's recap a little and go back on that and then continue. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 to 4. Jesus has something to say about everything that really matters to the soul. Luke 21 verses 1 to 4. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain widow putting in two mites. He said, "Truly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundant um- abundance have put in offerings for God, but she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood she had." So there are a lot of people putting in money in the tree, and Jesus commended one person, a widow who just put in two mites. Okay. Let's say 2 rupees. 50 paisa is taken out, so 2 rupees. Or 2 cents. 2 mites. But he commends her because it's an offering of sacrifice. Of faith. And of surrender. Her offering is accepted. Not because she is poor. don't (coughs) misunderstand it. Her offering is accepted because of her heart of her heart. Otherwise, we will make poverty into a virtue. No.
1: Okay? It's
0: not because she's poor, but because of her heart. So if you remember Elijah and the widow, the widow at Zarephath too is asked to do the same. Out of her poverty, she gave in abundance. She had only enough flour for herself and her son. That little, she divided it into three and offered it to God. Through his servant first. And the blessings poured in. So God looked at the heart. That's why God said there were many widows in Israel. But He sent the prophet to Samaria. On the other hand, if you look at the Shunammite woman, Eli, Eli with Elisha, she gave out of her abundance. Okay? Out of her abundance. And God had respect for her offering too. Okay? She gave her offering. So God is not looking primarily first at your offering. He's first looking at your heart. How are you giving? So if I'm right in 1 Samuel 24, 24, David will say, I will not give to the Lord. 2 Samuel 24, 24, he will say. King said, no. Okay. So David But I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I burn offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. Okay, That's a principle of giving to God. When I give to God, it should mean something to me. It should cost me something. That's why even when we sing, God says from our lips, it should be the sacrifice of praise. What did it cost us to sing? It's not casual, okay? What did it cost us to sing? So the first thing that we understand about faith in Hebrews 11 is, there is sacrifice in what we offer, okay? There is sacrifice. So there is incredible sacrifice in what Joseph will offer. If theologians are right, then the first book of the Bible is not Genesis, it is Job, And if they are again right, the first book of the New Covenant is not Matthew, Luke or anything. It is the epistle of James. Okay, yeah, it's the epistle of James. He wrote first is what they say. That's the first letter that comes. Thessalonians is what the first thing which Paul wrote. But a whole lot of theologians say that is not the first letter. The first letter is written by James and the first letter is written is the book of Job. And what does the book of Job basically say? Be faithful in your trials. What does James say? Rejoice in your trials. Okay, so both the first books were written to a suffering people in this world. And both are told, be faithful in in suffering and rejoice in your suffering. Okay, and the book of Job and the book of James. That's what they say. Okay, I believe they could be right. Okay, now who knows? Now we don't have to fight about it, but I understand the principle that is working over there. So God is saying, is there sacrifice in what we offer? And the first lady, this lady is commended and Abel is commended. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 8, okay, the second part of what we bring to God, 15, is, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Okay, but the up prayer of the upright is his delight. That means the offering of the upright is the delight. The first lesson before anything happens to Joseph, God gives him a lesson in his first r- dream is this. Everybody will bow to you one day, meaning you will reign, reign in one day if you remain upright. His sheaf stood upright. Okay, Remember the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. It's an abomination. Mm-hmm. But the sacrifice of the upright is his delight. So Abel's sacrifice, first there is sacrifice. There is an incredible sacrifice because he has to kill these lambs which he loves. There is sacrifice. It's not giving God anything that did not cost him. It's cost him. It's breaking his heart, but he's giving God. a sacrifice. Second, he's counted righteous. Okay, so he's an upright. So there is a righteousness that is uprightness that comes by faith and faith alone. Okay, apart from the law and the prophets. Okay, so there is sacrifice, there is faith. Okay, and our sacrifice should be, our offering should bring God more and more delight. How does it happen? Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. We should stand the day of his coming. What will he do? He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. Okay? He will purify the sons of Levi, the priesthood, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Okay? He's not so it will become more and more so at the end of all these days you look back and say you know what my praise my worship my giving my life it's more and more acceptable to God it's a delight in his eyes if you look at verse 4 also if I'm right verse 4 also it will say and the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of the old okay so always look with hope look with faith don't Listen to this all with condemnation. Please do not look at here anything with condemnation. You always have to believe. You are not going to some angry idol with 15 hands and wearing its teeth. You are going to your father in heaven. And he loves you. If he loved you when you did not know him, how much more does he love you now that you are his child? Even if you are a fallen child. Okay? Okay. You See, the thing is that what we see, this is gone like this, okay. What you see is that we see the boy sitting in the pig pen. He was not sitting in a chair, by the way, okay, he was sitting on the floor, pig pen. And only after he reached the depth of his misery, he coming to his senses and thinking about his father's house, okay. But if you look at the story closely, the father was thinking about him every day, every day. I believe every day he knows when the travelers come into the city and he's standing and he's looking. Uh, no, it's my boy coming back. So his father never stopped thinking about him. The son thought about him only when he hit, not the jackpot, <laughs> but the pig pen. Okay, that's why God says the thoughts that I have towards you cannot be counted. So everyone, no, because most of our church, I'm not talking about GDC, Hyderabad, but our churches, people have come from the Pit. The pit of the world. Okay. So never, and some of you are, may have fallen and gone back there and crawled your way out. Don't feel condemned. He will refine you further and further and further where your offering will be pleasant to God. Mm. Okay. So after the lockdown, the, use the lockdown. The lockdown, like I said, we are locked down is from the government, but we are locked in with God. Okay. And the third thing of our giving, our offering, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 and 7. God says, okay, our faith, because we began with Abel. So whatever we do. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also spare, reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Okay. So God says give. What are you holding it back for? Your life to me. Give it. Your whole life. And let us each one give as he purposes in heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So when you sing in your workplace without disturbing your colleagues, God is happy. Okay? So in Joseph, I believe there is sacrifice, there is uprightness, righteousness, and is a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. No grudge. No ill will. He's not grudging. He's not grudging his brothers. No ill will towards his brothers who sold him. No ill will towards Mrs. Potiphar who put him into this position in the prison. Okay, These are incredible hallmarks of a man or a woman who is walking with God. Because people will sin against us, we will sin against people, but how do we carry this with us? Do we carry this with us or we let go because if we carry it will affect us. we will go into depression, we'll get bitter we'll we will no we will not be really be able to serve God though we may be excellent in our work. Remember God doesn't look at our work first He looks at our heart first. Lord of excellent workers, their work will not be accepted by God because of the state of their heart. so please remember this because irrespective of our quantity or quality of our work, the first thing he looks is the condition of our hearts. And that is what gives value to our work. And that is why it is written about Joseph. Both places, God was with him. If your heart is not with God, then God is not with you. And one thing you will realize if you go back now to 39, Genesis 39 verse 3 is that 39 and verse 3. Joseph is noticed in his workplace by his master. Okay. The thing is that, let us imagine, he's coming as a slave. So he's at somewhere at the bottom of the rank, Hebrew fellow who doesn't even know the language, stranger who doesn't know the language, somewhere at the bottom of the rank, lower. So it's not that his master noticed him on the first day or the first week or the first month. But at some point, his master noticed him. That means everybody else also noticed him over a period of time. Everybody noticed. This guy, the way he works is different. Okay, in First Corinthians chapter four and verse two, the kind of things that makes us, uh, which makes God take notice of us. Okay. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. What caused his master to notice him? What will cause our master to notice him, us? Whatever has been entrusted into our hands. Bible says it is required that we should be faithful. And if you know in Hebrews chapter 3, keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus, the high priest of our confession. And he was faithful in the entire house of God. His father committed something into his hands and he came and he says, who am I? I am the servant of God who was faithful to who appointed him. He took it very, very seriously the work the father had, father had appointed unto him. And he was faithful. And therefore God says as his sons and his servants, we are sons and servants, he expects one of the things is faithful. Faithful in whatever has been committed into our hands. Okay? So we are learning of Christ through the life of Joseph. We are not learning from Joseph. We are learning of Christ of Joseph this is the life of Christ that should be in me okay so we'll see that when his father called him son your brother son will you go he said here am I okay so we also believe that in the Potiphar's house whenever there was a, anything that was required at different different levels as he went up Joseph was always. Available. Remember, God is not first looking at our ability, Pastor Vijay Priest, but at our availability. Are we available? In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Yeah. 5 to 7. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 7. Let this be mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is that? Who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God? He was equal to God. He was God. But he was available for a job that was putting you down in the bottom of the ladder. Okay. He was equal to God. Sovereign over this universe. But his, when his father asked, are you available? He said, I'm available. For anything, anything. We are available only for certain things. Jesus was available for everything, anything, anything. Okay, that's the key. So these are all parts of reigning with God. One, This is the character God wants us in. Okay, these are the character. That's why you will always see, (coughs) you know, God puts his servants through the ringer so that, you know, that's what it says, made himself of no reputation. Okay taking the form of a bond servant. He had a reputation in his father's house, and his father had a reputation in Canaan, the biggest family over there, the most powerful family, with hundreds and hundreds of trained soldiers and servants and maidservants, everything, very big reputation. But he has become of no reputation. In Jesus' case, because he understands the will of the father, he made himself. In Joseph's case, he is being made into a bond servant with no Reputation. You will see, soon his reputation also will go. Okay, so are we available? Okay, because what happens is, it will demand different levels of sacrifice at, as we progress. The level of sacrifice which was demanded from him at his father's house was different. The level of sacrifice that God will demand from him as Potiphar's slave is different. This level of sacrifice God will demand from him as a prisoner in the dungeon is again different. But your attitude is the same thing. Your attitude cannot change. Your attitude is, I am willing. I am available. I look at this as sacrifice. I am willing to give anything. okay? And I will be upright through it all. So all these factors have to get in and be imprinted in our soul. And you also know from First Peter chapter 5 verses 5 to 6. Okay. First Peter chapter 5 verses 5 to 6. He's a young man and to young men especially it will be told. Yes. Okay. So any issue? Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you submit to one another and be clothed with humility. Why God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what is happening here? If you really want to reach the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul to reign with Christ, it is possible only for the humble. Only for the humble. So Jesus humbled, 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 humbled. So did Joseph. That's why God is with him. And grace is available. Now we talk about humbling ourselves. Let me put very simple in workplace terms. No insubordination. Understood? No insubordination. God does not accept that. That's humility. No insubordination. It's a no-no in God's kingdom. It's a no-no in God's kingdom. Okay? And then, true obedience, true obedience will also demands a completion of the task that has been committed into your hands. You don't leave it halfway. You complete it, you finish it, then, okay, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. 8 and 9. Though he was a son, Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected. There is a work which God is doing in him and he allowed it to be complete. There is a work that God is doing through him. He's allowing that also to be complete. You have to allow both to be complete. Okay. You have to allow the work to become a lot of people quit halfway. Halfway. Their pressure gets too much and they just quit. And that's one of the success stories of David. He was not a quitter in any stage. Okay, He was never a quitter. Whether he fell in terrible sin or whether he was surrounded by his enemies, you know this man, even when he's standing all alone at Ziglag, and all he can smell is smoke, everything is gone, everything is lost. My life is a total mess. What is this? And all his servants, his soldiers, picked up stones to stone him. But he stood there alone and encouraged himself in the Lord. He was not a quitter. He was not a quit. Even he goes into the dumps over his um, depths of discouragement, depression over what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. From that pit he will rise up again. And when he runs out of Jerusalem because of his son, he will come back. Okay, This is a man who never quit. So you need to realize, because you need to understand... God has put something into my life, something which I have to finish, and I will finish it. Okay, And that's what Jesus does. That's what scripture says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, scripture will use this term if I am right here. How he became obedient to the point of yes. death. That's, he finished his task up to the point of death. We don't know how much what God is, uh, uh, how long should I be faithful pastor? God says till death. <laughs> till death. That's what is demanded. Okay. And Saul lost his throne because of partial obedience. That is what the devil will trap you through the flesh. Partial. You don't have to finish it. You know, God doesn't demand that kind of obedience. Okay. So please t- understand we are learning from Joseph, To be faithful in service, one must be committed to our assignment, and scorn, and despise the shame, despise the shame, okay? You want to look at Hebrews 12 verse 2? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That's one thing, the suffering. Second, he despising the shame. You despise the shame that is coming with it. He's looking at, you know, for him to come down itself is shame. And then go through life that way, knowing who you are and who you always will be, is shame. And then to be stripped and in public to be hung like that, looking as to the weakest man on earth, when you are the strongest person ever, is shame. But he despises the shame. Despises the shame. Because you are looking forward to the joy. Something has been promised to you by your father. So he's also living a life in faith. So here you are the father's favorite son to be sold in that slave block like a slave. But you despise that shape because you know you have you have an assignment. There is two dreams given. Then you are accused of all things of trying to rape your mistress. And you are thrown into prison. And when you're thrown into prison, people will say, you know, mm, I'll show you. Where is that? Huh? Acts, Acts chapter 28-4. Acts chapter 28-4. This is the attitude of people. When the natives saw the creature hanging, this is Paul. Okay, he's going as a prisoner to Rome. So they don't know. They're all prisoners. In the middle of it, he's an apostle. Who knows what an apostle is? Among the Gentiles, we are nothing. We are an abomination to the Egyptians. Remember, that's what the Bible says. All shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. Okay, so who is an apostle? They don't know. So they were all caught in Malta. He went to pick some firewood and there was a viper bit on his hand. What is the response? They said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom although he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow it to live. This is the typical. So what are the people talking about Joseph? My gosh, this man is really wicked. Not only was he sold as a slave, now he's ended here for rape. Whew, this man must be wicked. But he kept his mouth shut. He despised that shame. Okay, There will be a lot of things we will never be able to, we, we will not be vindicated on this side of eternity. Just shut your mouth. Don't forget your If you do not despise that shame, then you will go under that shame. You have to despise that shame and endure it because there is a joy set before you. There was something promised to Joseph. So we are learning the life of Jesus Christ through Joseph. Okay. From a son to a slave. To a slave now who is in a dungeon. Okay. And that alone is not enough because we are looking at that part. Okay. Over and over. We are going back. So we, we get into our soul. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62. 962. Luke 9, verse 62. Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom. You also have to endure till the end. Till the end you have to endure. Okay? So we are looking at a young Hebrew boy in the time of conscience. But God is with him. Okay? And he is enduring and he will endure till the end. The different things (laughs) That will make our service, because we'll all stand before God and one day judge for our deeds. And out of that deeds, if something good should come for us, then understand from Joseph what will stand for us on that day. Learn. Okay. In Ecclesiastic chapter 9 and verse 10, this is what the Bible says. Ecclesiastic. Whatever your hand finds to do. Okay. Do it with your might. Okay, let's leave the second part. Do it with your might. Whatever your hand, okay? Do it with your might. Whatever your hand. Because when you are young, because I keep telling the young people during vacation, I'll say, this is the time you have so much energy. And when we get old, we try to work it out. We realize energy levels are going down, so we need to prioritize. I can't do everything. If I do this thing and that thing and that thing and that thing, what will happen? I will not have the energy to do the main thing. So when you are older, you start prioritizing. This is all I am going to do. But when you are young, you have so much energy. And that is the time you can do a lot of things and learn a lot of things. And I believe that was Joseph. Came in as a Hebrew slave from the wilderness of Canaan. Knew nothing about Egypt, nothing about the culture of Egypt, nothing about how a palace works, nothing about anything. But I believe he was learning, 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 learning quickly, okay? First boss, following the boss around like a puppy, learning from him. Then when he's promoted, going around for the next boss. By the time he reaches the top, he understands how the entire palace system works. Because he's used his energy and gave it all. Okay, and God says young people can, <laughs> young people can learn, 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 learn. Don't, don't waste your time. But today, what happens? All they know is Netflix. You uh, know Netflix. And even if you are hooked onto YouTube, you can learn so much from YouTube. If you spend one hour, two hours on YouTube, in that two hours, do you know how much you can learn? How much stuff is there available? So many stuff which will actually help you to redeem time. Redeem time. Let us say let us say uh, t- give me something that's very simple, ordinary in life. Yeah, hey, washing clothes. Can you go to YouTube and learn how to wash clothes? Hmm? And your clothes will come out much, much, much better and less, less, less. Effort put in, come out much better, no, much better, less effort. Well, there are a lot of people who do it, how to fold your clothes, how to arrange your cupboard, how to systematically place your things, because these are all time consuming. And once you have learned the art of it, you are redeeming your time, okay. I'm talking to young people. I'm not going to go and learn on YouTube how to wash clothes. I learned it when I was very, very young. Okay? So he's hard working. Very hard working. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. And Proverbs 10-4. 10-4. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. You should be diligent in what you do. How is the hand that works? Is it slack or is it diligent? You need to realize these are the attributes God is looking for to inculcate in it. So he puts us in certain, 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 certain situations to see that we become diligent in what you do. Okay. He didn't just rise to the top. He had to learn these qualities on the way. Okay? He had to learn all these qualities here. And he's learning all these qualities. Now if you look at 39 and verse 2. Genesis 39 and verse 2. I have to put a rider over that. 39 verse 2. Scripture says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Everything we looked so far is fantastic. Sacrifice, super, faithfulness, fantastic, availability, great, commitment, excellent, obedience, makes life easy for the others, endurance, you will run long, diligence will make you rich. But take God out of the picture, at the end it will be empty. Life without God. At the end, is empty. That's what Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 says. You can have all these qualities. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. They are laboring. They are laboring. Labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, because at the end, what is it? The bread of sorrows. sorrows. Because he gives rest to whom? Yes. His beloved. Only God can give you rest. Do you think Steve Jobs, in his last dying moments, was telling me, telling his people, bring all the apple products and stretch it around my loaf. Let me take a look at it and die. No. Do you think it made any difference? to If he does not know God, he's going into a vacuum with fear. Irrelevant. We are all using Apple products over here. Everything that is being used over is Apple. But do you think that's how he died? Do you think Amazon Finder is going to say, Amazon, I created this? No. We look at all these people, but you do not know how their last days are. So all these things are good. And the world wants those things without God. Remember, the world will demand all these things without God. But if you put God into it, we'll end up in prison. We'll end up in prison. You take God out of the picture, you will go up. You will go up. Okay? The world wants all these things. But remember, the rider is this. Don't bring your God in here. That's why when he's he's falsely accused... He is called by his identity. You Hebrew. You Hebrew. And we should wear it. I am a Hebrew. Somebody who crossed the river. Okay. So remember what Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 36. Mark 8 and verse 36. Whatever do you in life have all these qualities. It's fantastic. You will be appreciated for it. But... Don't forget what Jesus said in Mark 8 and verse 36. What will profit a man if he gains the whole world with all these attributes and lose his own soul? The salvation is the salvation of your soul. That's where God comes in. Okay, Factor your soul in. That is the eternal part of you. The sum total... But the message of Solomon's life is portrayed in Ecclesiastic chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. We'll go a little here and there. 13 and 14. I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. Everything under heaven. This man had the money, the power, the strength, the wisdom, everything. He had it. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. And I have seen all the works that are done under the sun and indeed all his vanity grasping for the wind. Why? Because he kept God out. Otherwise it's not. Jesus said, My weight, my load is, it's not burdensome. It's very light. It's not burdensome. But you know, this man had everything what did he do? He kept God out. And he says, everything I achieved is worth nothing. In verse 2 and 3 of chapter 1, this is what he will say. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. What a preacher. And this book is called Ecclesiastics, meaning this is an ecclesiastical preacher. The church preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is Vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? You know what is profit? You will stand before the king and reign with him. That is the actual profit. If you had seen life the way Joseph saw. And if you had seen life the way his father saw. But he kept God out. He kept God out. That's the problem. We keep God out. And verse 18. For in much wisdom is much grief and he increases knowledge, increases sorrow. No. No, it's not true. As most as Paul. No. Okay. Enjoyed. Enjoyed. You know why he ended like that? Technically, outward, physical eyes is the most successful, accomplished man ever in human history. That's why when the Secular world talks about Solomon. They will only talk about his wisdom and his success. When the spiritual world talks about Solomon, they will only talk about his failure. Have you not? The secular world will never mention the book of Ecclesiastes. They will never talk about Solomon in these terms. They will never do it. Because it doesn't suit their agenda. They will never do. But when we talk about, we talk about that. And then we talk about this and says, don't end up this way. Because he left God out. Listen to another man. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Okay. Man factored God in everything he did. And he's looking at his end of his step. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. He says it's finished. In my life, in this, if my life is a bottle, few drops are left. But you want to ask about me the rest of my life? You'll say, I will count my life only from Acts 9. Before that, I don't count it. I was dead. I came alive in Christ. And from that time, I have poured my life out. Now, little is left. He says, my life is coming now like this. Okay, little is left. And my departure is at hand. And he says, no regrets. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And what is umid kya hai? What is your hope? Finally, there is laid up for me the crown. He's not saying vanity, vanity. All is vanity. I'm sitting in this prison. No, nobody came to see me. Nobody sent me an SMS. Nobody called me. True, Lord, I don't hold it against him. It's true. All of Asia has left me. It's true. But I'm looking forward. I know where I'm going. I'm going, but I'm not very sure when this execution will take place. So in, the, in, the, in this time, I have a little time left. So please bring my books and bring my that old coat of mine. Remember, my body is cold and I need some warmth for my soul also. So get my parchments. Standing in court, nobody is there with me. I don't hold it against him because he is still with me. He's not left me. And he says, you know what? I'm looking forward. I'm looking for. I'm, I know. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. This is the difference. This is the difference. Again, all these people, remember, learned from the life of Joseph. They all learned from the life of Joseph. So God had to. God did not send Joseph. Bible will say in Psalm 105, he sent a man before them, not only for his brothers. He sent before him for all of us. Of us. He was a man sent before for all of us, so that in our hour of trial, our hour of famine, we look back and say, Hey, if that man in the conscience period without the books of the law or the grace period without without anything of the law or grace could come out like that. Boy, I can. I can. Okay, so this is the man. That is why Apostle John in his prayer to the elder Gaius in Third John. Chapter 1, verse 2, only 1 chapter. What does he say? Which our prosperity preacher's most favorite line. <laughs> Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. He's saying, No. I want you to your soul to prosper. When your soul <laughs> prospers, everything else also should prosper. But it is a prosperity of your soul that matters. If your soul does not prosper and all these things happen, it will take you down. That is Solomon. Prospered in everything and went down. He became ultimately at the end, if you look at it, he became just like King Saul. King Saul chased David, wasted all his energy. This thing, this fellow is chasing whom? Yeah. Jeroboam. No difference. Okay. So if your soul does not prosper, it's all worth nothing. And please remember the devil is after your and my soul. So if you exchange the soul or the prosperity of the soul, he will offer anything to the body. Okay? Anything to the body. His office, all his offers are to the body. Says, what does your body want? body lives, I said your body is what relates you to this world. What does your body want? Give it to me. Tell me. I'll give it to you if you give me your soul. Give me your soul. Ramad, Bera, the king of Sodom, coming to Abraham and trying to make a bargain. He can have all the money. Give me the souls. Abraham said, I neither want your money. Nor your souls you can go and take it. I have lifted my hand up to the Lord. I don't even want a thong from your sandal. So that's where the world comes in. Babylon, Egypt comes in. And we saw yesterday. What is Babylon? Babylon is a trader of souls of men. Okay? Bodies and souls. That is the spirit of the world. And remember, it is the spirit of the dog. Egypt is the spirit of the dog. Unless we understand, dog has so many significances in the Bible. Okay, today you heard about another dog with a different spelling. Because you have to understand the purpose of the spirit of this world. Understand the purpose of the spirit of this dog. Go to Revelation 22. Revelation 22. Verse 14 and 15. What is the, the purpose of the Spirit? Blessed are those who do His commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the city. Okay? Those who do His commandments. You are sanctified continuously and then you can go through the gates and you will be sanctified more, have more and more life. But outside are, so what is the whole purpose of the dog? To see that you are outside. The intention of the spirit of the world, the spiritual realm, the dog, what is it? It is to keep you outside. That is the assignment given to this demonic realm, to keep God's people on that day outside. First see that nobody enters into the kingdom of God. If he enters, try everything to get him back. Get him back. Outside are dogs. That's the spirit that pulls you outside your destiny. Outside your... So in 39 and verse 7, after doing excellent in his workplace and all the work ethics and everything, God is with him, prospering him, prospering everything he touches, his master is blessed. And scripture says, it came to pass after these things, his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Temptation can come from the most unexpected quarter. I don't think he ever expected that to come. Okay, that to come. In First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. 5, 8. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, you have an adversary over there. The devil walks about like a roaring lion, whom seeking whom he may. The thing is, when the roaring lion, he looks like an Egyptian beauty. He doesn't look like a lion. We think he looks like a lion. No, he doesn't look like a lion. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look like a lion at all. He never approaches any man like a lion. But any woman as a lion. To Joseph, he appeared like a Egyptian beauty. The master's wife. Listen carefully now. Okay? Carefully, all young believers and my children, listen carefully. Often believers mistake or confuse between the devil, that's a demonic, and temptation. The devil and temptation. And the Bible, the solution and the battles are completely different. Jesus encountered both the devil and temptation all through his life. More than any of us. In fact, scripture says he was tempted at all points and did not sin. We have never encountered the devil. Uh, we have encountered some of the smaller Chinna Papas of the of the devil Jesus encountered the big, big fellow okay so temptation is legit if it is illegitimate then Jesus cannot be tempted it is legit God allows temptation okay did you get it temptation is legit But fighting temptation is ungodly. The Bible never tells us to resist temptation. Sooner we understand this, the easier it will be to handle the walk of faith. The Bible says, flee temptation. does not say fight temptation. It just flee temptation. Okay? Many people have gone down under all of us. to look back in our life because we thought we are strong enough to fight temptation. and We realized no man is strong enough to fight temptation. Scripture says flee. Stay away. Okay. That's not your battle. Your battle is to fight the devil, mm. not to fight temptation. These are two different things. These are two different things. The devil uses temptation, but you resist the devil. You don't resist temptation. You flee temptation. You avoid temptation. Stay away. In Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty-two, two twenty-two, flee. Doesn't say fight. Flee youthful lust. Okay? Flee youthful lust. Let me also tell you, if you look at this today as an aside, but part of it, when you flee something, you should also pursue something else. Okay? The problem is, people flee but don't pursue. The Bible always will say put off and put on. So everywhere you will see when you are asked to flee something, you will also be asked to pursue something. Okay, So many people flee the temptation. But they don't pursue. So they sit there and depressed, thinking about their old boyfriend or girlfriend. Depressed. They have fled something. Because they heard, I need to flee. It's an ungodly relationship. I need to flee. But you are not pursuing something else. That's why you go down. You have to take the whole course of antibiotics. Okay? There's a course prescribed. You have to take the whole course. Don't try to be smarter than the doctor. The doctor says, take it twice a day for three days. Take it for twice a day for three days. After the first day, if the symptoms disappear, that doesn't mean the disease has gone. Okay? Flee temptation. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Also, with a certain set of people. Not with all people. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will be like the fellow I've told about in the, in the old covenant. He was running from this lion and got entangled the bear. He tried to escape the bear and leaned against the wall, the snake bit him. Because he didn't run to the right direction. But every place a devil has got pitfalls reserved for you, so you need to be sure when you're running, you're running towards God. Okay? The fellow thought he had escaped the lion and the bear and was let's get snake with him, because your direction is still wrong. Okay. Oh, I don't know. This girl left me. I don't know. Anyway, now you're trying to justify yourself. She was a wicked woman. I escaped her. So let me go to the bar and drown myself. <laughs> Poor fellow. <laughs> Bear with him. <laughs> Bear to <bar. laughs> no? so I have to learn these things. Otherwise you will go into depression. You will go to discouragement. And you will become suicidal. All these things. And the devil knows. And God also knows. And he says, deal it the right way. Mm-hmm. Deal it the right way. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Okay, flee. Okay, He didn't say fight. Flee. What does it say? Flee. You know, what does scripture talk about Joseph? Yeah, first he was never there with her. Second, when she caught her coat, what did he do? He he left and he ran out. That's not what in Hindi movies, they don't run out, they run from room to room. <laughs> He's following her and she's following him, room to room, no? Around the trees, you see, you don't see nobody running away. Me ai, 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 It doesn't work like that. <laughs> It simply doesn't work like that. Okay. He ran out. Scripture says flee. Flee. Okay. Scripture says flee. It is painful. It's very, very painful. Okay. He fled. But remember, when you flee, I always have to tell these things, whether it is any form of, this is one form of it or any form. When you flee, see that you, even as you flee, you are fleeing towards the mercy of God and yet extending mercy to the other person. Otherwise, otherwise you haven't fled. You will never, ever hear Joseph ever bringing back what his, Potiphar's wife did, Potiphar did, or his brothers did. Even as he's running into God's mercy, he's also extending mercy. Very important things. Very, very important things. Otherwise, you will be destroyed. Though you escaped one, you fell into a bigger pit called unforgiveness. If you look at what is the most dangerous sin within the kingdom of God, it's unforgiveness. It's not this. Unforgiveness, bitterness, leads to bitterness, hatred, depression, discouragement, suicide, everything. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, He said, If any man let go, forgive them out of your heart. Forgive them out of your heart. Don't play God in your lives. Let go. Forgive. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Another thing. We are called. How do we? We don't resist it. We flee it. 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. You see, why do we love money? Because money empowers us to do a lot of things in the flesh. Verse 11, what the scripture says? And you, O man of God, flee these things. Flee. Let money be always behind you. Let money chase you. Don't chase money. If you chase money, you put your flesh first. You let money chase you. You, man of God, flee these things and again, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. You flee. And pursue these things. Okay, so the Bible is so very clear. (coughs) Because why? The theology of children is the idolatry of Egypt. Okay, children live in the flesh. The children in the kingdom of God live in the flesh. And that's why the last word John has to say is children from idols. Egypt is full of idols. You just escaped the world. What does it mean? You just escaped idolatry. But idolatry is very strong in your flesh still. You just came out of idolatry. Any man who has come out of the world into the kingdom of God, is a new creation. All things have passed away. That is positional. But the fact is that you just stepped out of idolatry. And idols, idols are very, very strong, pulling you on your flesh. And Egypt is built on idolatry. Egypt, that is this world is built on idolatry, and one of the 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 biggest things about idolatry which a child has to escape and move into youthhood of spiritual youthhood is one is comfort, second is convenience, third is pleasure. These are idols. So that's why Paul tells the young man Timothy, Timothy, endure hardship as discipline. Don't look for a comfortable life. Because yeah. your life, your flesh will become soft. Your body will become soft. And your hardship has discipline. Choose. It's a choice you make. Flee comfort. Choose hardship. Yeah. Why? You're telling your body, I will not feed you. Your flesh, I will not feed you. Comfort. Convenience. Convenience. Be very careful. There are a lot of things which are convenient in your life, which will not bode well for you in the long run. Which is the church closest to me? What is the time most convenient for me to pray? Everything. Spiritual things become very, very, very convenient. No, it should, it should be inconvenient. It should be incon- inconvenient to your flesh. The things of God should be inconvenient to the flesh, cannot be convenient to the flesh. If anything that you are doing in life, primarily the soul, putting God first, is convenient to you, that means your flesh is king. Though you are in the kingdom of God, you are a child. You are a child. You haven't given God your best. You gave God your worst. You gave God your worst. Because you gave to God what is convenient. So remember comfort, convenient and pleasure. The world is built on it. Okay, so please remember that the kingdom of God, a pleasure is there with his spiritual. It is spiritual. A lot of things in the kingdom of God, there isn't much pleasure. pleasure. That's the problem with outer courts preaching. Outer courts preaching is all tuned to pleasure. Pleasure. And they are very scared if they move to a point where it is not pleasurable to their ears, they will go back. And they will look for another church where again they will receive pleasure. But you will never go further. further. For one tribe to go into the holy place, first thing they had to do was not when Moses was up there, they were not part of that pleasure group. First thing. Okay, otherwise go kill themselves, they should be stabbing themselves if they were part of it. So first thing, they were not part of that pleasure. Second thing, they had to deny. No, deny. Because it's no, there is no pleasure in killing your own. There's no pleasure in dying to flesh. There's no pleasure in that. Okay? So please remember, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 and 14, <coughs> Ten, thirteen, 13, and 14. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are, but with the temptation will also make the way of? Yeah, see, everywhere the fundamentals are same. He will say, I, he says, will also make you so strong that you can fight it. He says, no, I'll give you a way of escape. Run. That you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from? Idolatry. Free from idolatry flee from idolatry, because self is an idol worshipper. And if you look at verse, same chapter, verse 6 and 7, we don't have to look at the whole details, 6 and 7, it will tell you where the format sets in. God was not pleased with most of of us, verse 5. And these things became an example to the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lust. Do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. And what is he talking about? Worship. Their first worship, when Moses went up. Their worship itself was connected with comfort, convenience, and pleasure. They, they didn't want to go worship a God. You have to wait. You have to struggle. You have to purify and sanctify and be silent so that you are able to hear him. No, that's too inconvenient. It's too inconvenient. Just make a God which we can carry. It's okay. We'll give his name to that God. You've got an issue with names? We won't call him Bal. We'll call him Elohim. This is Elohim who brought you out of Egypt. That's the big problem. He doesn't have to walk. We'll carry him. That's the whole thing. We change God into the kind of stuff we like it and we give him his name. But we shape him in our image. Shape him in our image. That's the issue over here. Scripture says this rose, they sat down to eat and drink and then isn't that how every religious festival is of every religion? Every religion isn't basically that. Okay. Any religion. It's ultimately that. It's, it's, it's pressure driven. Like, you know, even our dear Muslim brother? You no, know, if you notice that now, of course, everything is shut down. When Ramzan comes, from morning till night, they will fast. But have you seen our Hyderabad? You never see so much food in Hyderabad except during the season of fasting. So are you fasting or are you feasting? What is the purpose of your fasting? By six o'clock, everybody is eating and then by 10 o'clock, you are again eating. Then again, midnight, you are again eating. And the best choice, food and the fruits, everything, anything, you never saw in Hyderabad comes during that season. Why? Because you are fasting. Is this fasting or is this feasting? Something that was supposed to be so spiritual, something was so spiritual, has been turned, completely turned. Is fasting good? Excellent. But will this fasting work anything for you? No. The fasting, because it's tuned to the flesh. It's not a killing of the flesh, it's an induction of the flesh. We love it, because Halim floods the streets. So we have to see. Fighting temptation is ungodly. It's not God's prescribed manner. God's prescribed manner is Flee. Okay? Flee. Fleeing the devil is ungodly. That's not God's manner. It is resist and he will flee. So please get this. Flee. In 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 22. Okay? abstain from every form of evil. Abstain, appear, every appearance, any, for anything that abstain from it, stay away from it. Abstain here means stay away from it. Stay away from it. First Peter 2.11 2.11 Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against thee. Soul, this thing is the one that is fighting your soul. So Abstain. That's what we saw, right? thirty nine ten and thirty-nine twelve. There is no one greater. Okay, then okay, we're ten. She spoke to Joseph day by day, but he did not listen to her to or to be with her. To be with her. And it happened. You know what happened? Scripture says he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. outside. Okay. And he never went back to get his coat. (laughs) Hmm? Never went back. (laughs) Left it to God. Like, if it it were one of us, what we'll do, we'll we'll go back quietly through the window, try to put a long stick in it, try to get the evidence out. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. God will vindicate me. He didn't try to destroy evidence or any of that shit, this thing, you know. None of the things he did, just left it alone. He had passed the test of service, now he's been sent to the ringer to pass the test of purity. Okay, if you know, Joseph did not have a prophetic preordained birth like Samson. That even his very conception and his mother, even that womb was supposed to be pure. No wine, not even grapes. That this boy would grow in an atmosphere that is so pure. Basically talking about the church in spiritual terms. Create that atmosphere in your church. It is so pure that a generation will rise up who will be strong. Okay, The anointing can rest upon them. Joseph didn't have any of those things. But he kept it. On the other hand with Samson, the first thing you hear about Samson in the Bible, when he opens his mouth, Judges 14, verse 1. After all this, what we call controlled environment, he stepped out, no control. First thing, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of It's The first thing that's mentioned about Samson. He came out of a very controlled environment. I'm saying after this lockup is over, <laughs> okay? After this lockup is over and people come out and everything is open, people will say, thank God it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So they will live in the bar, live in the theater, live in the mall until the security guards have to tell him, sir, we are closing. Please go, madam. <laughs> Please go, madam. Hmm? How will we be? First thing written about him. He came out and he saw. That means combined environments do not work. (laughs) Does not work. What works is, what is your heart? That's what it was. See, Joseph is living in an environment where there is no control at all. This is Egypt. This is their lifestyle. This is their lifestyle. He's living in a controlled environment. This guy comes out of it pure. This guy falls at the first steps out. Why? It's a matter of the heart. It's not in the matter of the environment. No, it's not a matter of the environment. It's a matter of heart. Have you dedicated yourself? Have you made this commitment to God? God said, I'll keep you. God will keep you. Okay, and in 16 and verse 22, 16 verse 22, sad thing, uh, oh, 22. No not 22, Judges 16, 21, 16, 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. What the first thing they did? He saw and he lost. He saw and he lost. What is it? It is a physical thing. What is a spiritual reality? He says the first thing that you will lose is your vision for God. The vision God has given you. If you go into the world and look into the world and see with the eyes of the world, what you will lose is your vision. You will lose your vision. Okay, but now let me come to my children. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. When he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. What I want to tell you, the children who are all watching, there's no condemnation. This is new covenant, the age of unbelievable mercy and grace, because we are children, not slaves. They were all slaves. Old covenant, we are sons and daughters. Okay. This woman was possessed by seven demons. That means... Perfect possession, so you know what all she could have done and been in. But her eyes were the first to see the resurrected Jesus. Don't forget that, what God can do if you come to him. The first pair of eyes to see the resurrected Lord was one of the most messed up people who was around him. Not the best, the worst. Seven demons, perfect possession. Of the spirit of air. Okay? So that's why we are preaching. Because with God, you always have hope. You always have hope. You know, what eats away your soul? Your soul, when you go and do these things, what eats away is your soul. Your soul is eaten away. It's not your body so much. There are so many stuff you can do to your body to look fit and have fifty six inch chati and all that. Okay, that's not what matters. What is goes is your soul. And when God gives you the promise through Joel that I will give you what the canker worms have eaten. That's what has eaten your soul. He said, I'll give it back away. But away, you went there, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you didn't, your soul has been eaten away, but I can restore, I am the only one who can restore your soul. So children of God should never lose hope. Should never lose hope. That's why he's looking at his disciples and he tells them in John 15, 3, you are clean because of the but well, you have to believe. Every day you are hearing, four hours a day you are hearing. You receive it. You receive it. Doesn't matter what you did this whole year and last year and all the preceding years. He said, "I can cleanse you like nobody can. Mm-hmm. You are clean because of the Word. You have to believe the Word, receive the Word, confess the blood and the spiritual work, and He says you can come out sparkling." In First Thessalonians chapter five, verses twenty-two to twenty-three. And all the other stuff you're hearing is protection for the future. But you've gone down the road, come out. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. completely. He can still sanctify you. <laughs> completely. And may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved how? Blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it stopped out there, we would be depressed. Read down to verse 24. Yes. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. All we have to do is keep going. That is where our confidence. If you live at 23 you we'll be depressed. No Lord, how can I? I'm gone. I am finished. I have he said, No, you keep coming. (laughs) You keep coming. You can you see your soul? No. I can. He restores my soul. I can. No. He's the one who restores our soul. But we have to keep going, keep going. Don't tune off. Say, oh, it is too much, 20 days, 4 hours a day. How can anybody handle? Yes, you can. When you handle 6 hours of movies every day, you can handle 4 hours of the word also. It is restoring your soul. Okay, Allow the word and the spirit and the blood to work. You have to have with Christ. That is the thing. You will never lose your hope never lose your hope. That's why you have to, these lives are given. Yes, Joseph is an incredible life as a model for young children to say, hey, start right, okay? You can go like that. But what about all the others? All the young ones caught in alcohol and drugs and porn and you name it, you can have it at all in this world. What about all of them? They have no hope. You got saved, but I'm already finished because I fell again and again. No hope. Of course God says there is hope for you too. Aren't you my child? Don't I love you the same way? No. He says, this is grace. This is what I can do for you. But are you willing to come back to me? Because he who calls... Are you banking on your own faithfulness or are you banking on my faithfulness? The scripture doesn't say if you are faithful. Scripture says, who calls you is faithful. And that's one of the revelations John the apostle has in this. I am the one who is true and faithful. It's always true and it's always faithful. We need to go back. Otherwise what happens, people just go into depression and discourage them, go into that pit. But that man, even when he goes in the pit, he says, where can I escape from you? Even in the pit you are there with me. Where can I escape from you? No? Don't try to escape from him. Escape to him. No? So Joseph was brought down to Egypt in his body. But he refused to be brought down in his soul. To be brought down in your body is one thing. To be brought down in your soul is another thing. Daniel too was brought down to Babylon from Jerusalem, but he too refused to be brought down in his soul. So all the young ones. You no, know, you can do it. You can do it. Start fresh, clean. And if God says it's clean, it's clean, okay? <laughs> He's the only judge. It's not like a further and further appeal courts and don't know. If he says you're free, you're free. If he says you're clean, you're clean. Imagine all these apostles, you know, they, we call them apostles, when they're walking with them, they're ex fishermen cursing fishermen, cheating tax collectors. and looks at them and says, you're clean. <laughs> what were you doing? Does it matter what anybody else says? Doesn't matter. He says, you're clean, because of the word. I saw you. You followed me always around. You always had questions. You gave me privately. And you were always willing to start. learn, 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 learn. And practice, learn, practice. And you're clean because of the word. That's it. You never said it to anybody else. You're clean because of the word. And we have to believe. You have to take him at his word. That is faith. You know, we need faith to be applied into every area of our life. That's where our hope comes from. And if you're old... And you said, I messed my life. God says, no, who told you? Didn't they say, I'll give you back all the years the locusts have eaten? How many testimonies we had from past people who came in their old age and God gave them four or five years. Boy, what they did in that four or five years. I don't even know anybody in human history did so much for God. But they were absolutely sold out for God in those last two, three years of their life. But they were sold out and they finished with the bank. And like Paul, they even knew the day they were going to be killed and wet with the bank. The fellow who was in isolation chamber for 20 years or something comes out. God gives him this ministry, finishes. And at his funeral, 15,000 people gather. And all touched by God through him. Saved through him. You think he missed his crown? No, he didn't. He didn't. None of these things matter. The question is, it doesn't matter what age you are. What age you are. It's irrelevant. Are you willing to give? Do you believe? the I mean, if God says, by the time you come to 60 years, you got saved at 30, 30 years you wandered in the world, now you have come to 60. Too late, my son. This is impossible with me. No, God says, nothing is impossible with me. Nothing is impossible with him who believes. Nothing is impossible. You can turn around and run. And God says, I am with you. Reason I am your father. (laughs) Which father wants his child to fail? (laughs) Which father wants his child to fail? No father wants his child to fail. And he says, how much more me? And you have to look at it that way. And then, in chapter 39, Mrs. Potiphar, in verse 14, in verse 15, in verse 18. M.P. Mrs. Potiphar. She called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought in to us a Hebrew to mock us. He came to me to lie with me and I crowd out with a loud voice. Verse fifteen again, loud voice. Verse eighteen, loud. When people are very loud, be very careful, okay? They can be very loud in causing their innocence. Can be a loud email also. And the problem is the whole world will judge the one with the loud voice is innocent and the silent one is guilty. Silent one is guilty. Okay. But unless God tells you, you should keep quiet. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23. Unless God tells you, in situations like this, just keep quiet. Who when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteous. He kept his mouth shut. This is the same one who told the Pharisees, what I say I am true. But who said? He says, one me, second is my father. Two witnesses are enough. <laughs> Imagine him talking. I mean, this is the same person. Okay? Oh, Why should we believe you are true? He said, because I spoke it. My father is the witness. Who? God, my father, and I. Two witnesses. That's enough. Mm. Audacity! No, this is the audacity of this young man. What is he talking about? It's the same one. When he was reviled, kept quiet. He didn't defend himself at all. And the doctor asked him about his doctrine. He said, "My doctrine is true because I say it. My father agrees with it. That's enough." But when he came to defending himself, he refused to defend himself. Understand principles. Moses remained silent when he was accused by his elder brother and his elder sister, and God stepped in and silenced them. Because we have to realize there is a day set by God where all wrongs will be set right. On this side of eternity, none of us will know the truth. Not even we ourselves. That's why God is so merciful. None of us know. How many of us know the pressures which we ourselves face? We don't understand it because there is so much happening. Happening. You know, like Peter is going through tremendous pressure and temptation. How does he know his grandfather was not a freemason who offered his generations to the Lord? How does he know? Unless it's revealed reveal to him? Does he know? Maybe his great-grandfather says, Yoruba, which doctor who has put so many people into this thing? And he's facing all the pressure into this thing? Yeah? <laughs> God says, I see, I see, I understand, I understand, I understand, I understand you. That's why scripture says he will not ju- judge by what he sees or what he hears, he will judge. So when he judges, he will be absolutely righteous and he will not see that his judgment will mercy will be underneath mercy will triumph so please don't we we do not know what all pressures we all are facing and god knows it it's incredibly merciful incredibly how can you be merciful to a woman who was caught in adultery not even fornication i mean she's a married woman is there nobody to accuse you okay i also don't accuse you go don't sin again meaning i understand What could have cost you to do this? That was not what you should have done. But I understand pressure. And you had no strength to handle pressure. So you looked for love in the wrong place. Did that fellow stand up for you? No. He left you and he ran with his coat. (laughs) He didn't (laughs) leave his coat behind. (laughs) (laughs) That is where our ministry has to balance this both. Both. Grace and truth. Grace Grace has to go first. Truth cannot go first. If truth goes first, then they will crumble. The weight of truth no man can handle. Law came through Moses. The Bible never says God is law. God's Bible says God is truth. Who can handle truth? You can't handle. I can't handle truth. That's why grace and truth came. He says, I will give you grace each day to handle the truth. I will reveal it to you. Otherwise, you will go down under that truth. You cannot handle truth. Who, which of us can handle truth? If God were to show the truth, we cannot handle it. The law is something, it is outward, we can handle the law. We are all handling the law. What is the law? Don't go out. We are handling it very well. But if we were to tell the truth each day, if I were to show you each day how many times you stepped outside my truth, we will not be able to handle it. You stepped outside my righteousness. You stepped outside my mercy. You stepped outside my grace. You stepped outside my holiness. If I were to show you each day, you will be depressed. So I'm not showing you my truth. I'm giving you grace and truth and grace and truth. Grow. 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 That's our Father. And understand the Father. Understand our Father. And God is unbelievable. I mean, you have to look at the unbelievable. Look, at this is that season, no? The unbelievable price he is paying to redeem his children. Okay, redeem. I mean, you look at the price and we understand his holiness, that's why that incredible, but how much must he love us? How much must he love us to go through this? No? And as servants of God, we have to balance it so well that his love is never covered by our zeal for truth. Truth sets you free. You know why truth sets you free? Because grace flows in. Without grace, truth will never set anybody free. It's grace that sets you free because truth gives access to grace. Grace flows in. So balance, balance, balance. Always, always as young men Ask God, Lord, 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 when I go across. No, we preach truth from here when you step down, meet people one on one. It's always grace. So there is a day set on this side of eternity. None of us will ever, ever, ever know. So Joseph will lose his quote number two also. First to us, approval in his family. Father, second was approval by his master. All these trophies from the world, God will take away one by one by one. Quote number two also will go. Okay, Which he had worked so hard, so diligently, so faithfully to get it. Just let it go. If it goes, because you did no wrong, God has got a better quote for you. Okay, don't regret the quotes you lost. Because Bible talks about another court in heaven, another name in heaven. He lost his name here. He'll get another name. What we don't realize is we are in a mortal battle for souls. Mortal battle for souls. An age-old battle. Okay, battle for souls age-old battle for souls. And we are in this. And what is God looking for? God is looking for vessels he can use. He's looking for vessels. In Second Timothy chapter 2, 19 to 21. Hmm? 2 Timothy chapter 2, 19 to 21. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Okay? Depart from iniquity. Simple message over there. In a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Now, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor sanctified we stop there. No. Useful for the master. Lord, I just don't want to be sanctified alone. It's so good. Sanctified glass is very good. Keep it in the showcase. Very nice. Very nice. When people will come say, Oh, where did you get this from? Oh, when I went to China for my vacation, I bought it from there. <laughs> Keep it back. Does anybody drink from there? No. Now why are you hiding it? Because they are saying the virus came from China. So now we have hidden your cup. No. Sanctified is good. That's, that's excellent. You need to be sanctified. But also the question, are you useful? Are you useful? Okay. We don't pursue holiness for holiness sake. We don't pursue righteousness for righteousness, even though it is good in itself. But there is something more than that. Lord, I want to be useful in your hand. I want to be a useful vessel in your hand. Useful vessel in your hand. That's what the Bible is talking about. Flee. Be sanctified. But also be useful in the, in the law. And God wants clean vessels so that he can use them more. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 11. Depart, depart. Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean. Who you? You who bear the vessels of the Lord. Talking about the Levites. Who are we? We don't bear the vessels of the Lord. We are the vessels of the Lord. Depart. Come out of the world. God has shut miraculously the whole church. Let us forget the world. Church, shut us from the world. Now depart inside also. Depart from the world inside. Get clean. You are the vessel of the Lord. We are the vessels of the Lord. And remember our victory is dependent only on the presence of God in our life. And the presence of God is dependent on the purity of our souls. Purity of our souls. The only thing that can separate us from God's presence is sin. So after 13 years of silence, in Genesis 17 and verse 1, look at what God tells Abraham. He still hasn't become that vessel that God wants. Sanctification is still only working. He still hasn't become the vessel. Purpose has still not been fulfilled. He's been there for many, many years. Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me. Not walk with me. You know, we have heard this old, old days many times. There are different walks. Walk before me. Walk with me. This is what we should pray. If you have courage. Lord, I want to walk before me. Before you. Make me blameless. If you want to be blameless, you have to have the courage to tell God, I want to walk before you. Meaning, you observe my walk. And correct me as I go. That's what he's saying. He's not saying walk with me. I walked with you all these years, Abraham. Now I'm asking you to change a little more. Now you walk before me. I'm going to walk behind you. And I want to change change. I'm going to sanctify you so that you can be a useful vessel in my hand. The first thing you will say is cut off your flesh circumcision. Reason? We don't want just form. We want substance. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, form, Without substance, no. Yeah, yeah, having a form of godliness but denying the power of godliness—no substance, only form. From such people, turn away. Bible is saying, you know, the first person you need to turn away from is you yourself. That's repentance. You look in the mirror of God's word and says, Lord, you know what? I just have a form. I don't have the substance. And you know what? I look into your mirror and I see you and I see myself. I'm turning from myself and turning towards you. I'm turning from that form and I'm turning towards you who is the substance. We don't have to turn from others first. We turn from that things which are just the form without substance in ourselves first. Lord, I just want to turn away from that form that I am a praying man, Lord. I want you a man of substance in prayer. Lord, I want to turn away from the form of a man of the word to the substance of the word, O oh Lord. I want to turn away from this form to substance. Then God says, you will be a useful vessel. And don't worry about time and age and all. The greatest book in New Covenant history preparing us for the future was written in the last stages of a man's life. Book of Revelation. No, Book of Revelation was written last. Why? He was only ready to receive the revelation at that age. He became only sanctified enough to hear and see and write early at that age. He was not ready. I believe he was not ready because God does everything in his own time. I believe John was not ready to receive it. So he had to finish, come to that point and put in an isolation in Patamos and be there for how many years before and then? God said, Now you can see, you're ready to see. You're ready to see. Now what you see, right? And he's given an entire spectrum, twenty-two chapters you have of revelation. So never think it's over. Never and never get discouraged also if you feel oh my life amounts to nothing. God says how do you measure life? How did you measure life? Because that I, is what happened to Israel under Eli. The vessels in the temple. Eli and his two sons, they were impure, they were unclean, and they would never clean themselves. So when the day of evil came, though the ark of God was right there in the midst, They lost the battle like never in Israel's history. Never before, never after. Not because of the casualties. 30,000 died. More people have died in Israel's battles after that. Or maybe more than that. But what was the greatest thing? The Ark was taken by the enemy. It never happened in Israel's history. Ark was gone. The Ark was gone. Most humiliating defeat. You getting it? Why? Simply because in the in the temple, the vessels that carried the ark was unclean, and they lost. They lost. They had form, they had no substance. What was the form? priests have brought the ark into our midst and all the Israelites jumped and shouted and all that. And the Philistines heard all that. They got scared because they have heard about the substance and they didn't realize this is only form. So they confused the form with the substance and said, look, we may die. Know what God has done in the past. Let us fight harder than before. and They won easily. And they killed everybody and took their ark also. But they made a mistake. They thought the ark had lost its substance. No Only the priests had lost their substance. So when they took the ark into their temple, they realized the ark never loses its substance. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether it is an unclean vessel here or an uncircumcised vessel there, you carry me, you die. So they died here and they died there. Okay. There's no neutrality with God. Okay. Yet, in the midst of Israel, there was a little boy. A little boy who kept himself pure. In the midst of all that slime, he kept himself pure. And the word of God was being revealed to him. And the word of God never fell to the ground that went from his mouth. Why? Because he was symbolized outside what symbolized inside the ark. Inside the ark, there was a golden pot. And in that golden pot, there was manna. That manna alone never went bad, because it was in this pure container. It never went bad. Anywhere else, it went bad. But in this pure container, purity of gold, inside the ark, it remained always living. It never went bad. In the same way, Samuel outward outside became that manna, pot of manna. The word of God inside was always living. It never went bad. Mm. So the Bible says, the word of God that came from his mouth never fell to the ground. It wouldn't fall to the ground. Because if it falls to the ground, it will rot. doesn't fall to the ground. That is Samuel. So he will first lead his people back to God. They want victory. But he will first lead them back to God. Everybody is saying, COVID-19, Lord, we are all praying, churches are gathering, let it pass. God says, will you please come back to me? Will you please come back to me? I understand. I see your misery. But you want to change my ways. First Samuel chapter 7 verses 3 to 6. The restoration begins with this little boy who is grown up. He's a young man now. 7, 3 to 6. Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel saying if you return to the Lord with all your hearts and put away the foreign gods and asteroids from among you and prepare your hearts for God and serve him only and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. He will deliver you. He has never changed. He will deliver you. But if he wants to deliver you, you have to go by his conditions. Put away all this stuff, unclean stuff, and turn with your whole heart back to God. And serve him only. And so the children of Israel, yeah, we jumped. Children of Israel, put away and serve the Lord only. Meaning, there was a... It didn't happen one day didn't happen in one When we read the narratives happened that day, today and tomorrow, it. victory came. No, it happened that minute. God is saying, are you serving me only? Are we? Philistines are still around. You are still under the Philistines, but I am watching you. Did you believe the prophetic word? Are you serving me alone? And Israel was serving me him alone. And then Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for I believe sometime later. And God told him, okay, I see. I see. They have turned back. They're serving me alone. I see there heart. Though God knows they will go back. But God is even our temporary repentance. He honors it. <laughs> that is the Father, right? I mean, look at look at my boy. Let's imagine my boy is not in a God. He spanked him two times and said, "Don't do it again." Though I know he will do it again. But for one week he's good, and I'm very happy with it. Okay, Monday I spanked him. Tuesday is good. Thursday is good. Wednesday is good. I'm knowing next Tuesday is going to do it, but I will want catch him on Wednesday. I know you're going to do it. I accept your repentance as repentance. and unlike us unlike us this is God he knows the end from the beginning right? doesn't it say about Ahab he says look at Ahab he's really repented and so God stayed his hand doesn't he know he will go back like a dog goes back to the woman but he says even that period when your repentance is genuine I will show you mercy because I do not change Just because I see that, I will not deal you with now according to that. At that point, I will reveal my other side. But now, because his repentance is genuine now, I will extend the hand of mercy to you. He sees the end from the beginning. But he doesn't deal with us as he sees in the end. So everybody who comes to you and says, I am sorry, receive it as God receives it. It's fine. Forgiven. Seven times a day. Forgiven. No. I want. This, I want affidavit. Definitely. No, I don't need an affidavit. affidavit. Forgive me. Every time we say sorry, God takes it. He takes it. Okay. Understand these things. So. Gather all Israel to Mizpah, I'll pray. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water and poured it out before the Lord. This drawing water and pouring it out is all symbolizing this is our life. We offer it as a living sacrifice to you. They're offering their lives to God. They fasted and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Okay. And look at verse 12. 14. It's interesting. When God, they turn back to God, God turns back to them. Verse 12 to 14. Got it? Then Samuel took a stone set it up between Mizpah and Shen, meaning they won their battles, and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And the Philistines were Subdued. subdued. And they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against Philistine all the days so of Samuel. Samuel. He was a restraining influence. He saw him walk in God's ways, walk in God's ways, walk in God's ways. And God, you stopped the Philistines. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel was restored to Israel. And a crown to Gath. And Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. And also there was peace between Israel and The Amorites. Did you see that? What the Philistines had taken away from the Amorites because of Israel's victory, they took it and gave it back to the Amorites. Now others are sharing in your victory. Then we see it in Philippi, in Philippi, in the prison in Philippi. Paul and Silas are celebrating the victory of God in their soul and not in their body and suddenly the body is set free and everybody's body is set free. And the jailer and his family is set free in a few hours time. Everybody's sharing. Because Israel won over the Philistines, the Amorites also are set free. Okay. It's a chain reaction. It's a chain reaction. So Joseph chose purity over possession and he kept his mouth shut and let God be his defender. So there is no trial. There is no hearing and Joseph is in prison. And I like that verse 20 and 21. I love it. That's it say. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Remember I told you yesterday, first place God was with him, showed him success. okay, And he was successful. But in the prison, what you want is mercy. Mercy. You don't want success first, you want mercy. A Mercy in prison is a big thing. Big thing. So mercy, meaning you have favor with the warden. You get light chains. You get the, the food there is terrible, but you get the best of the terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you get to use the toilet first. And you don't know in prison what a great blessing it is. You have to read prison records to understand what mercy in prison is. Life in, and this is talking about in those days. And he calls it a dungeon. Just not an easy place. But he had mercy and he had favor. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Okay? Peep. That's God. God says the heart of the king is in my hand. Don't worry. If you're falsely accused and you go to prison, and all of you, I'm telling you honestly, always prepare the day and the eventuality to go to prison. Don't get surprised when the day comes. You always have to prepare all these things in your mind. Always have to prepare these things. My prayer to God is, Lord, if you send me to prison, let be in a prison where they at least understand English, Hindi, Nepali or Malayalam, please not any other language where I cannot speak to them and minister. Let it be one of these four languages or else give me the gift of the language in that place. You have to pray for prison too. And don't take these things away from your mind because then what happened? you are prepared. You are prepared for every eventuality including death, obedient unto death. These things you factor now. You don't factor it when it comes. So you are not surprised by any of these things. Okay, always I tell you, okay, everywhere I tell pastors, don't get surprised when these things happen. So he had fetters. He had fetters. In Psalm 105 and verse 18, scripture talks about it. the chains in the, in Potiphar's palace he was a slave, but his body was not bound. He was a free man and became the steward, head of the households. He had power, authority, position. He was practically living like, but here it was different. They hurt his feet with fetters. And he was laid in irons. Okay. I don't know how many of you have really seen those. No, they have. I mean, I've seen in my childhood, king's prisoners. They have this around here. They have this around here. They have around the neck. And then it is connected. they, They don't walk. They hobble. They hobble. That's what he's talking about. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he was laid in irons. One old prayer book version says, The iron entered into his soul. Iron entered into his soul. Okay, that's what it says. And that's a beautiful, beautiful meaning. Iron entered into his soul, and the soul entered into iron. See, he was born to rule. He was chosen to rule. The problem is in his father's house, he was, he was soft. In Potiphar's house, he became stronger, but he was still not qualified to rule. See, the world looks for strong leaders in times of crisis. They want iron kings and iron presidents and iron prime ministers, because crisis, when it comes, will show who you really are. So you have England's most famous king, Richard the Lion-Hearted. Lion-Hearted. Okay. But God is looking for iron saints who will rule. He's not looking for iron kings and presidents, but for iron saints who will rule with him in eternity. It is those Prison kind situations that makes you strong inside. And yet don't lose your tenderness. That he doesn't lose. But he's an incredibly strong man when he comes out. Absolutely strong man. And Potiphar's palace won't do it. It will make him soft. His father's house would have never made it. It would have made him soft. It's a prison of life. He's going to be framed there. Lot of people, when they go through this prison phase, can be years and years together. Okay, Joseph is just a real story because it's in the Old Testament. In New Testament, a lot of people who were bound in prison never came out of prison. They died in prison. Watchman knee and all. But by the time watchman knee and all finishes, what a man he is. Because you are bound here for 20 years, bound here for 50 years and never come out so that you can reign with him for eternity. So we have to read New Covenant differently. Don't look at Joseph's story and says I will come out and I will reign with Modi in India. No, you will not. It's not going to happen. Okay, That's why you have to read Hebrews 11, the last part. Wandered in animal skins, deserts, because the world was not worthy of them. But they were all, they're all, and we are all being framed. But a lot of people get bound inside and out in, in the prison, chains and fetters, and they come out, Even more bound inside. That's the sad part. Like the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt, but Egypt had bound them inside. They were free. The chains were off. The fetters were off. But it was never off inside. They were prisoners of Egypt. Pharaoh is dead. His army is gone. Egypt is destroyed. But Egypt is thriving in the wilderness. Do you know when the final judgment of God comes what was the words from their mouth in Numbers 14 and verse 4 from their mouth when judgment of God comes? They said to one another let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They were bound inside. Okay. And that's what we have to see. Genesis 39 and 21. The Lord was with him, with Joseph, showed him mercy and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Shakespeare would have taken this and changed it and says, love's labor is lost. It was not lost. He was still laboring in love. Only eyes of faith can see and experience this. That God has put me into this situation so I can experience his mercy and his grace. Experience of success is one thing. Experience of mercy is another thing. Scripture says the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. If God shows you mercy, the meaning next step is grace. Because when you come to the throne room of grace, you go through the portal of mercy to grace. you showing him mercy. We're showing him mercy. Why is he showing him mercy? Even more mercy now. Why? Because I want you to reign. And when you reign, you should be a man of mercy. So I'm showing you mercy. Show mercy to all those who have done these things in your life. Show mercy. I'm showing you mercy. The king's rule with mercy. Remember, the woman who pleaded for her son's life from Napoleon was to be executed. And she came and said, "Law, Emperor, I'm pleading for my son's mercy. Pleading for mercy for my son's life. And the emperor said, he doesn't deserve mercy. And she said, if he deserves mercy, it's not mercy. He said, your answer has pleased me. You can go, your son will live. We don't deserve mercy. If you deserve mercy, it's not mercy. It's called justice. like I said there are two kinds of mercy one is what we all want which is called immediate mercy (laughs) then there is something which is called eternal mercy immediate mercy is not good it may not make us what we should be Mm. in eternal mercy the character of Christ is formed Lord, I am in chains. I'm innocent. Please release me. Okay, Joseph, go. Will he ever be the Joseph who will become king? No. That is immediate mercy. God is showing him mercy, but not immediate mercy. Stage by stage by stage by stage, stage stage. It will take, let's say he went in at twenty. It will take him ten years before he comes out. That's not immediate mercy. But we all want immediate mercy. And because we clamor and clamor for immediate mercy, sometimes you open the doors and let us out. And we never learned our lesson and go back to our old way of life. And then again we have to plead for mercy. That's what God is trying with all of us who understand it. A lot of people who are watching, maybe sisters caught in a prison called marriage, hostile man, alcoholic, abusive, whatever it might be. But you don't realize you've been put into that situation and how are you going to emerge out of it? It's a question. It's not your situation that's making you bitter. It's your response. It's your response. He was a slave and from a slave to a slave prisoner in dungeons, neck and feet. And you may feel like that. Yes, I can't move anywhere. I can't do anything. This man, God says, so was Joseph. But that's what made Joseph Joseph. The prince of Egypt, the Pharaoh's daughter's son Moses, was in fetters, literally, not with actual chains, for 40 years in the desert. He had no freedom of movement like he had earlier. Earlier he was in the chariot and everybody looked at him. He was prince. Now he's going with his rod after sheep. But 40 years later he's the meekest man in the world because that's what his prison made him made him the meekest man with whom God could sit and have a conversation because you know what? You are meek, I am meek, we can talk. Mm. And every time somebody opposed him, God stood up for him and said, don't you dare, that's my man with whom I speak face to face. But what made him that, that 40 years in prison? Just prison. Joseph emerged as the kind, merciful, wise ruler who would feed the entire world that when people, when Pharaoh said, go to him, go to him, go to him, go to him. And Pharaoh had no problem. Millions and thousands, all of Egypt was coming. All of the world was coming. He said, you know that, that man can feed anybody and everybody. Because he's a merciful man. His heart is big. His heart is big. We don't realize what God is trying to do with us. And we fight him every step of the way. Every step of the way. And we end up often like Naomi. (laughs) Wives end up like Naomi. Men end up bitter, 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 bitter. Well, God says the entire thing was to make you better. Of course you are innocent. So was yourself. But do you think I wasn't there? (laughs) If only you had surrendered. If only you had understood what my plans were and cooperated with me. You would have come out shining like gold. But we didn't. Do you remember 2 Samuel, Samuel chapter 9, verse 1? Everything is done. Jerusalem is captured. Ark is in town. All your victories. Every nation has been defeated. Everything has been defeated. Now you are sovereign. Battles are all bought. Now if you go to war, it is for fun. When kings go to war in spring, you are going. Because to keep your soldiers occupied and they new training. It's basically that. But everything is over. Basically you are king. Everything is successful. And the first thing... That comes out of his mouth is Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him some mercy, kindness? Whose house? Your enemies. Wasn't this guy who took 10 years of your life or 12 years or 13 years? Yes. And you want to? Yes. Why? want to show mercy. That is, that is reigning. What is the character of a king? Mercy. Mercy. You appeal to mercy only to a king. The character of king is to extend mercy. Okay. Mercy. That's, that's David. He said the only thing that can separate us from God is sin. In the presence of God. Just repent, it's back. That's what he keeps telling Israel. Repent for sake, I'm with you. It's not that I left you, you're not able to sense me. Your sin, which is basically unbelief, it's un- what is sin? It's unbelief. It's unbelief. Every sin is a result of unbelief, right? And the two Two disciples of Jesus are on the road to your All the conversation is unbelief. Mm. So he's right with them. Do they experience his presence? No. He closed their eyes. He, is he with them? Yes. Is God with us? Yes. Do you think he will leave us? No, he won't leave us. But do we experience him? No. Why? Because he says your sin has blocked your eyes, your spirit. Yes. Just for it. suddenly you realize, oh, you are always there. He said, yeah, always there. I never left you. I never left you. So if we walk with him; he'll walk with us. He said that. So, do not grow weary. Galatians six nine, and Second Thessalonians three thirteen. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Again, repeated. But for, as for your brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. That's Joseph. One year, two year, three years. Never asking, what did I get after all this righteousness? What did I get after all serving? You know, questions. Not like now we went full and we came empty, no? Okay. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. So many faint. Because their eyes are on their circumstances, not on God, or His promises. What are the promises. And I believe what happened in Potiphar's house happened in prison also. He comes in as a young man, and a little later the warden notices his little patch in the prison is different. Is different. They're all prisoners, but that patch is different. Look at his portion of his cell. It's clean. It's clean. Mm. Okay? And they all seem to like him. Seems to be a kind-hearted person. Kind-hearted, but people don't end up in prison. But he seems to be a kind-hearted His patch is green. Because your character cannot change if it is real and set in iron. It doesn't change wherever you are put in your father's house. No, if your character keeps changing, then that means that was not your character. Your your circumstances do not define your character. Your character defines your circumstances. Egypt doesn't change us. We change Egypt. That's why you ascend it into the world. Not that the world should change us, but we change the world. You have sent me into this world. This is the only area of influence for me, but I promise you, this area shall be light and not darkness. That little patch I have will be green. That little patch will be green. It won't be, it'll be dry. That will be light because in him was life and that life was the light of men. In me is life his life, and his life will be the light of men. Maybe I've been restrained, I've been constrained. I had this huge palace, now to this dungeon. In this dungeon also so many cells. In this cell, this is my little, I've been constrained. But I promise you, this patch will have light. This patch will have light. And that's Joseph. And God was with him. Nothing changed the way he worked. That's what I'm trying to say. Your legs are restrained by chains. So is your neck. But your soul is unfettered. There are no chains on your soul, Joseph. I am with you. Yes, when you walk, you're not walking like you walked before. Your, your walk has changed outwardly. You, don't, you cannot stand straight. You are bent down because of the chain. But how is your soul? Your soul is not fettered unless you allow the enemy to fetter your soul. Is your soul fettered? <laughs> I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 18. Is your soul fettered? This salutation is by my own hands, Paul. is writing. And each this thing he's writing, we don't see, but we have to hear in our spirit. It's not the pen. It's the chain rattling. He's chained to the centurion or the prisoner. He's chained. But his soul is not fettered. He's in prison. He's chained. But he's speaking freedom to all those who are outside. And we are still set free by his letters. Because your soul is not fettered. You listen in your spirit's eye. In every epistle, you will hear the clang of the chains. His body is chained, but his soul is not chained. Our problem is our bodies are free, but our souls are fettered. The gospel is the gospel. It sets your soul free. That's why this letter is the last line. This salutation is by my own hand. Paul, remember my chains. And what do I offer you? Grace be with you a man who does not have grace in his chains cannot offer grace to anybody. What is pouring out of that life in prison is still grace. What is pouring out of the life of Joseph in prison is still grace. What is pouring out of the life of Paul in prison is still grace. still grace. Don't let them fetter your soul. Don't let anything fetter your soul. And the devil, the dog of Egypt, is trying to chain your soul with the sins of the flesh, if not with other sins which are even more dangerous. Bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, depression, discouragement, heaviness. These are all sins of the soul. And you have to fight it. You have to fight it. Put on the garments of praise. When the spirit of heaven, I believe they were beaten. They had such an incredible time in Philippi. did something wonderful. Thrown, beaten over there. And Paul is, I believe Paul is about to say, look, you cannot touch me. I'm a Roman citizen. And here the Holy Spirit says, be silent. Be silent. So he gives his back to be beaten. Then taken in. And Depression is coming. You have to fight it. You have to fight it. So they started singing. They start singing. Put on the garment of praise when the spirit of heaviness comes. How much more can be? What all gadgets we do we have? Headphones, Bluetooth, music by sung by thousands of people, hymns, pick your. Why don't you put it in and sing in your kitchen if you are oppressed? In your living room if you are. Why don't you just sing along? And you will see the spirit of heaviness moving out and you suddenly realize you know what i'm not a prisoner i'm free i'm free these are all practical things which you have to do if you don't do it by faith it will not work because god is looking for faith what i teach in the other places when i tell the i tell the people okay you all go to work work is a heavy place there is so much pressure on you whether you're in the government or in the private so much pressure on you but do you work by faith when he come back home, what are the final lessons Jesus gave before he died? He wrapped a towel around them and he washed their feet. And Peter said, no, he said, if you don't, you will have no part of me. He said, then give me a bath. He said, you don't need to give a bath. That is baptism once in your life. After that, you have to keep washing. What does it mean? I said, do you understand what it means? Meaning feet is the part of your body that goes into the world. They didn't wear shoes. They wear sandals. Picks up all the dirt of the world. And it says, come back, and if you really want a part of me, if you really want to abide in me, that part of your body that needs to be washed, your soul, is the feet of your soul. What do you need? As soon as you come home, don't go to the TV. Switch on music or a word. And sit there with your coffee and let the word of God cleanse the feet of your soul from everything you have picked. You're ready. You have rest in your home. You don't do what the Word of God has told you. Put on music or put on the Word of God. Let it cleanse the feet that has picked up all that junk from the world, in the office, on the way, whatever it is, let it wash it all away. Do it daily and suddenly you realize, I'm not a prisoner, I'm free. I'm not a prisoner, I'm free. This is how the saints came out, a Richard Wombrandt or a... Uh, Watchman knee, or all these or John Bunyan, all of them 12 years, 13 years, 14 years in prison, they came out stronger and they came out than they went in. Why? Because they applied scripture by faith. And that's what Joseph is doing. And who did they all learn from? They all learned it from the first prisoner of the Lord was Joseph. The first prisoner of the Lord was Joseph. First prisoner of the Lord in the Bible account, you look, was Joseph. He was the first one who went in chains for his testimony. And God says, learn from his life. That's why I've given you 13 chapters in a 50-chapter book mm-hmm. about him, so that you will learn how to love this life. Love this life. We'll stop there. It's 10 or 15. So this evening, I told you it was sheer teaching and not ministry. But we will learn from Joseph, and we will learn, and we will learn, and God will, and all my dear ones who are listening, get rid of all that. Don't be depressed, don't be discouraged, nothing is lost. There is one person, one person alone, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God, my God, your God, who can restore everything that has been lost eaten by the locusts or the canterworms He can restore it all. He can, and you have to believe. And you have to respond to him in faith. Respond to him in faith. Hold nothing in your heart. We all have been hurt by so many people. So many people in life. So many people. The older you are, the more people. The only place where you can keep your heart safe is in hell. There's no other place. If you live on earth, you will be hurt. Let go. Unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, wrath. Let go. Put on the garment of praise. Come to God by faith and He will set you free. He is faithful, forever faithful. Father, we just come to you this evening and I commit everyone who is listening, Lord, I commit them into Thy hands. And I pray, even as I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, the anointing will flow. If the anointing of God could rest upon the shadow of Peter, and shadow has no substance. The anointing of God can come through all these mediums, Lord. Whether it is YouTube or Facebook or radio, whatever format it is, the anointing of God that breaks the yoke can flow. And I pray, set the captives free. Let every soul be unbound in Jesus' name. Maybe thirty-eight years, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, or like the woman bent double for eighteen years, or the woman who came and touched the hem of your robe for twelve years. It doesn't matter how long it is. There is one who can set you free. And I speak freedom. I speak deliverance into each life in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Be free in Jesus' name. Let go. Let God be God. His destiny for every one of us and everyone who is listening is to reign with Him. And if you don't, He didn't take it away. We gave it away. Don't give it away. Don't sell yourself short. Let that dog stay outside. You stay inside. The dog of Egypt pursued Joseph for 13 years, but he kept the dog outside. He didn't allow it to enter his soul. You too don't allow that spirit to enter into your soul. Because what you have inside is the spirit of God, not the spirit of this world. So we just magnify you, Lord Jesus. Be magnified in our lives. Be glorified in our lives. Be enthroned in our lives. And our souls are and will be free to serve you. Make us clean vessels so that we can be a vessel of honor. And not only a vessel of honor, sanctified, a vessel that is useful to the Master. Use us, even in these times, Lord, use us. There are neighbors to our left and right, maybe neighbors above and below. Use us, all those children who are hearing, as you are using us to reach out to our world. Use, Lord, use a useful vessel, the hands of a mighty God. That's our prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen.